Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Empowering Her podcast. I'm your host, Melody Pormorati, with a very special guest here with us today. Susie Lula is here. She and I have been trying to make this podcast episode happen for months, and we're just so excited that it's finally here. Uh, Susie, welcome. Please feel free to introduce yourself to the Empowering Her audience. Thank you so much, Melody. I'm so happy to be here and I'm so happy to be here with all of you. Um, So about me, I guess, in regards to the work that we do, I'm a mom. And um, my son just finished his first year of college. So um, I'm just ending the teen years. So I've been through all the age stages. And um, I married my husband uh, and I have been together over 20 years. I'm a therapist and uh, I teach many online courses and all of my work, my book is called The Motherhood Evolution. And it's all about proving to ourselves as mothers that when we thrive, our children thrive. And so this is why I feel so drawn to the work you're doing. I just feel like we're so in the same neighborhood of our message and our passion and empowering mothers, empowering women so that we can empower our children. Amazing. Amazing. I've been admiring the work that you do for such a long time and I love it so much. And yes, there is most definitely such an alignment. And I selfishly have so many questions myself for you today. And and I'm sure that if these are my questions, these are also things that our audience will, will learn so much from. The first thing I'd love to know is how did you get into this line of work? Oh, great question. Well, I've been meditating since I was 16 and always really fascinated with the world of healing. I didn't come from the most functional of families, let's just say. And I always had this knowing inside that there was a way that we could be healthier. And for whatever reason, my particular family unit didn't take you know, that, that route, but I've always been fascinated with it. And then I think when I had my son, I became a mom, you know, I, I think I thought it was going to be easier than it was for me because I was, had been in this world, you know, it's my, I eat it, drink it, breathe it, sleep it, you know, I'm fascinated. I'm passionate about it. And motherhood kicked my butt. (laughs) I'm just going to say, I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. So those early years really had me dive deeper into, wow, if I'm, quote, suffering as a mom, what might other moms be feeling? Because I'm immersed in it, right? And um, then my particular, you know, passion, specialty, whatever you want to call it, is, you know, um, really empowering moms that this this myth we've been fed that putting ourselves last on the list is going to somehow have us raise a healthy family because no one told me that no one gave me permission. I wish someone had given me permission, like putting yourself on your own list first is not selfish. That's what really changed everything for me. When I just developed that courage really out of a necessity, I, I honestly did not like the mom that was showing up with my son, Will. I just didn't like who I was. And and so it was out of that desire to, I knew the mom that he needed me to be was in here somewhere. 
And I just got on it. I just, that was my most important value and journey. And so that's where I am. Yeah. And what a generous gift it is for you to, you know, to take what, what you felt that you were lacking to learn about it, to use this as your own spiritual assignment, and then to go out there and bring that to mom so that they never have to feel like, where is she? Where is that mom? I know is, is somewhere within me. So like such a generous gift. And then also I always say like our teacher, our kids are our greatest teachers, right? Like, even though the mothering journey has kicked our asses. And I think it will no matter what in some way, but it's also us constantly showing up to this classroom that is being provided for us every single day and learning and growing and thriving through it. And I want to talk so much about your mission and about your amazing book, The Motherhood Evolution. But first I want to ask you, this is a question we ask everyone who comes on our podcast. Um, and, and I'd love to know, you know, especially because you just shared a little bit about your childhood and your family. And the statistic is that a girl's self-confidence peaks at age nine. So with that sp- specific statistic, I am curious, what would you say to nine-year-old Susie? Uh, that you're not alone. Hmm. That I see you and um, I'm here with you now. And, um, and you're not alone and the things that you're feeling matter. Yeah. And I want to hear all about them and you don't ever have to be quiet. It's, it's, it's okay to take up space. It's okay to shine. It's okay to be fully yourself. Um, that's so beautiful. Imagine what the world we live in would look like if every young girl was given a message like that. Right. So instead of a girl self-confidence peaking at age nine, they would just be budding and they would be thriving and growing and every day building up on that confidence and that unapologetic voice. Right. Because you're saying, like, don't be afraid to talk, to speak, to take up space. So I love that. I love that. And thank you for sharing that. Um, so your book, The Motherhood Evolution, How Thriving Mothers Raise Thriving Children. So I was reading this. I, I mean, I don't know if you can see, but like I've earmarked every single page because oh. every single page is an important page in this book. But the first thing that really resonated with me and just further proved how aligned you and I are is that the subheading is how thriving mothers raise thriving children. And as you know, because you interviewed me about my book, my book is called Empowered Women, Empower Girls. So it's like our messages are so similar. And yet I was learning so much from the pages of this particular book. And like, I'm probably going to pick out so many different quotes to read and ask you to to elaborate a little bit, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. You know what, before I go into the first quote, I just want to know what, what inspired you to write this book and what inspired you to write it when you wrote it? Like, why was it important? Well, I had had this book percolating inside of me since Will, my son's name is Will, since he was probably five, six years old. That's when I really dove in. And uh, it wasn't until he was probably 10 or so, or maybe even 11, that I actually wrote the book, primarily logistically, because I just kept feeling the, the call to write the book. I felt a larger calling to be present for him. And I felt like I had some repair work to do from his, you know, from my young, his younger years. And so I really 
kept devoting that time really to him. And I think that just to take a little tangential moment, I think that speaks to many mothers that I work with, and I don't know about you, but I know that we can feel such calls inside of ourselves. And yet there's that tug of, I love that you asked, and why was that timing important? Mm -hmm. The timing was important because it was during the time that he wasn't needing me as much, and he was off with his friends more, and then I could get a consolidated amount of time to go to a coffee shop, which I had not visited in years, you know, uh -huh. and just, and right. So the timing was right. The, the little bit older he got. I got that. You know, it's so, it's so interesting how as moms, like we've got such a feeling, especially when our kids are little, such a feeling of guilt when we yeah. take some time away from them to do something that serves our soul really yeah. like, and I mean, obviously the whole message of your book is that when we do those things, um, we are in a better position to raise our children in, in a, in a fulfilled and aligned way. So it's just so interesting to me how, how like there isn't more, more and more work about this, about yeah. how it's okay to give yourself what you need first. And there's no reason to feel this useless emotion of guilt yeah. when it comes to taking care yeah. of ourselves, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to jump in before you go on because yeah, that, that is the heart of what I'm passionate about, right? Is first two things. First of all, when our child, for those of us who are, have biological children, when our child are in, is in utero in the womb, you know, that's the time we take the best care of ourselves. Sure. So we would not think of not taking care of ourselves during that time, but something happens in culture that as soon as our children are born, we then, culture tells us that if we take care of ourselves, it's selfish. And I just feel like we, as women, you know, this is the time, this time is ripe for women to have our voices. And so to me, to say to culture, to capitalism, to consumerism, to, to whomever, whatever out there, may no one ever again tell me, tell us as women that it's selfish to take care of ourselves. You know, we are so connected when we're pregnant. And then as soon as our child is born, we disconnect from our own spirit from our own soul. And we know it deep down. We know that that split is happening. And I just think the time is now to band together. And if anyone is listening and, and just knows deep down that you, you're really ready to take this on and to put yourself on the map front and center, it's not only not selfish, it's essential. It's essential to model to our children what it because we didn't at least I didn't get it modeled my mom martyred herself thinking that that's that that was the way right. and I honor her for everything that she did and I know that we this generation is here to break the chains to break those generational chains and it's got to start with someone so just let it start with us yeah. you know Oh my God. I love it. Amen to everything that you just said. And that the first piece that you said is really um, resonating with me. You say that for those of us who carried biologically, how we're feeding ourselves with the right foods, we're making sure we get our meditation and our alone time, and we're giving ourselves and nourishing ourselves so deeply. And the second the baby is born, that umbilical cord is cut literally 
all of a sudden it's all about the baby. And we forget that there's still this intrinsic connection to us and to that child. I mean, brilliant, Susie, what a brilliant, brilliant concept, you know, and, and I, that's how we know it's a cultural message. Yes. Right. Because the way you are when you're pregnant and you're talking to the child and you're so connected and the, the, just the, the atmosphere and the environment that you're creating, we know as mothers, mother earth, mother nature, we know we have the mothering, nurturing, nourishing. It's, it's, it's part of the feminine. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're exuding it when we're pregnant. And then we're allowing culture to tell us it's selfish. And so we cut our own cord from our own soul because women have been subservient to a male patriarchy. And so we, we cut that and we listen. And that's why I say, you know, let, let not one more person tell me that it's selfish to take care of myself. Ever again, don't ever. let anyone tell you ever again. I have moms that, you know, I'm working with them and then they'll come back and they'll tell me, you know, I did go take some time for myself, but the whole time I was taking time for myself, I felt guilty for taking time for myself. You know, may we just, that's an epidemic. Yes. That's, a, that's an epidemic that we have the dominion. Now we have the power and I love what you're doing. You're doing a podcast, right? So you have a, you have a community. I have a community. I, I always feel like it's easier to, to take these courageous acts when I know that I'm not the only one out there taking sure. it. That's another reason I wrote my book yes. is let's gather together women. Let's gather as a community. So it won't feel as you know, um, lonely for me to be the one I was always, you know, the lone voice out there when my son was young, you know, and, and now it's like, all right, guys, let's, let's do this together. Yeah. And what a beautiful thing that women do. I always share this with our community. I'm like, when, when women go through something and they learn from something and evolve in their own way, they literally want to get on the rooftop and shout it out to everyone and somehow make their struggle someone else's uh, victory. And like, that's the beautiful thing about women, right? And look at what you did. You took something that you just, you know, it, it, it was, it was really taking over you as a young mother. And you were like, okay, I've learned something. Let me go out there. Let me shout it up off of the rooftops. And, you know, the question that comes up for me is like, yes, people can pick up your book. People can pick up my book. People can listen to a podcast to find out this information. What if they don't have access to that? Or what if they don't even know it exists? Like, how are we getting this message out there to all of our mothers? How, how do we do this? You know, this is an interesting question. Um, I talk to Will, my son, a lot um, about this because he notices, and I don't know if your daughters notice this, but he notices and he has through his life, he notices the, the way that he's being raised is different from the way many of his friends are being raised. And he, he understands that um, I'm, I'm different from some of the other moms. And I don't know about you, but what I find in my circles is when one of us is the most courageous to start thriving, other mothers really want that. It's, it's attractive. It's like people come and 
I want what you have. So I think another way, there's two things that come to mind of how to spread this. One is word of mouth. That's how I've always had my, my, I have a very full practice. I always have a waiting list. I've never, I never advertise on social media that I'm, you know, a therapist, private sessions. It's word of mouth. So I just think word of mouth and also parents seeing our child thrive. It doesn't mean that our children don't go through challenges. So thriving is not perfectionism, but you know, I think that there is something tangible with the energy of a family unit that's thriving. And I think it's really attractive. And I think people are hungry for it and mothers are hungry for it because we're so disconnected from our own spirit. So when we see someone else, I think it's attractive. And then the other thing that really comes to mind is not exactly an answer to your question, but I learn a lot from indigenous cultures. And when you say, what about people who don't have maybe a computer access to a podcast, know the book, a lot of indigenous cultures, obviously they're not plugged into social media. And you know, when we go back and we, and we just think about the qualities that matter, in an indigenous culture, the qualities that matter is that one-on-one connection. And I know that I had made connection my highest value with raising will. That was my highest value. And I knew that I needed to do whatever it took to put me in the space to be able to have the connection I wanted to have with him. And so it doesn't exactly answer your question of how to spread this for people who haven't heard, but the indigenous cultures are thriving in that sense because they haven't been, you know, they're immunized in a way from some of the destructive messages that we as women have been, you know, indoctrinated with. Yeah, no, great, great point. And I, and I also love what you said, like about the energy, like when we are thriving as a family unit, it's like, I'll have what she's having, you know, like, it's like they, people want, a piece of that. People want to know what's she doing that's different. And, you know, something comes up for me personally, as you share that example, you, you had said, you're like, you know, I wonder if your kids feel like you've raised them differently. So for sure, my kids feel that, but I also feel sometimes that my kids um, struggle because the, the values that they've been brought up yes. with have been a little bit different than other people's values. So they have a hard time finding their place and their people. How, how did you handle that with Will? Like, did he experience that? If, if you feel like sharing about it? What a great question. I have chills oh. all over my body with that. He has. So first I, I want to preempt it by saying, yes, a thriving energetic family unit doesn't mean we're perfect. So I, I just want to put that out there because I think often mothers, women, we can, you know, misconstrue that we're on a journey and the end destination is this perfect family and our children struggle. I still struggle. Life brings us what life brings us, you know, so, but, but what's important is when you're thriving, the way you can move through challenges is dramatically different than the way you would move through challenges when you're not empowered, right? And so I, I preempt your question with that because Will has absolutely gone through that and is still going through that as a, as a young man just finishing his freshman year in college. Right. And um, 
exactly, I mean, exactly what you said. He's been raised with different values. We didn't do a lot of media until he was probably in seventh, eighth grade. He didn't have a phone till he was in eighth grade, ninth grade. You know, that that's kind of unheard of in his friend circles. He was fine with it. I mean, you know, now I won't say fine with it, but he understood. We we worked as a family and, and it worked for us in the way that we did it. And um, even to this day, you know, the things that he found the kids in college were interested in, his interests are different. Um, he, he's a filmmaker, so he's at, at a film school. And even there, you know, he he's recognizing that his values are different. And so you just nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. He, he's looking for his people. Right. And it has been this past year that he started finding his people. And as he's maturing, so... So I think that all of us growing up, all of our children are trying to find their people. Um, It's part of socialization. However, it can be challenging when you're a child and and you're not just becoming a chameleon. You know, you're realizing uh, I'm, I'm a little different here. So I think for our family, a lot of conversations. It really brought us closer. A lot of conversations, a lot of it's, I believe it's helped him to become a deeper feeler of, of real, those real deep talks of how to navigate being a friend, but not being a chameleon, Mm -hmm. being a friend and holding on to your own values, how to do that when you're nine, 12, 13, seven, even, you know, that's a, that's, and that's a great life lesson, life journey, how to be your own person and still be a good friend, be a good friend, but not go, you know, do something so that we've just navigated it with many, many, like really great talks. So good. He's so lucky to have you. you. What about you? So for us, um, same, same. A lot mm-hmm. of it just comes from the connection between the four of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I love what you say about not being a chameleon, right? And mm-hmm. that's something we've definitely taught our kids. Not, we never put it in those words. And I love right. the way you share it. Um, but to be okay with not being like everyone else, like that, mm-hmm. that it's actually a gift. And, you know, to not look to the outside world to inform who you are. You have to look in here intuitively knowing who you are, how you want to move through the world, the kind of friend you want to be, the kind of human you want to be, and really just being okay with being different. And in fact, being happy that you're different. And sometimes it might mean that you're not part of the greater, like the big circles and things like that. It might mean that you're hanging out with kids who are older than you, because maybe there's a different type of maturity. Like it might mean many things. And in the moments of pain, like in the moments where it's hard and I see them struggle, I say to myself, you know, this is all working for them. My favorite quote is a Rumi quote. I think it's Rumi live life as, as if everything is rigged in your favor. And I know that maybe they're not understanding that now, but as I look at, and I'm going to use your term, the mountaintop, right? You talk about, um, what, what is it exactly that you said? You said, 
there's a chapter here. I have it written down, but looking, oh, here we go. Here we go. In your book, you talk about a view from the mountaintop. Can you tell us more about that? And that's, that's one of my questions for you. So I take a mountaintop, like a bird's eye view. And I know that ultimately this will serve them in their lives. It'll help them flex those resiliency muscles and find their people. Um, so that's how we do it. But tell me more about the mountaintop that you speak well, of. Well, beautiful. Yeah. Book. And, um, and you can teach your kids this mountaintop process. So it's a process I do with my clients in the courses that I teach. And I, you can do it with your eyes open or closed, but it's the idea that we're multidimensional. So I can be sitting in this chair, you know, chatting with you, everyone's listening. And I can imagine myself sitting in this chair, but I can also imagine myself way up at the top of a mountain looking down at myself. It's kind of what meditation teaches us is how to observe. But when we think of ourselves at the top of a mountain, something happens to us energetically where when you think of yourself at the top of the mountain, you know, there's no ceiling over you. There's only sky. There's no walls. There's literally no limitations. There's no walls. There's no ceiling. And so it gives us viscerally in our body, somatically in our body. It gives us that feeling of like absolute um, expansiveness. Mm -hmm. And so when you teach your child or when you do it as a mom and you actually did it, your first question or one of the first questions you said, what would I tell my nine-year-old self? So that's a great opportunity for a woman to go up to the top of the mountain. When you're up at the top of the mountain, it's like going up in a plane. When you go up in a plane, the car, the sizes of the car don't actually change, but they, the perspective feels like it changes, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're up at the top of the mountain, you can see down to your current life, but you can also see all the way down to when you were a child. Yeah. And it's very powerful because when you, your question was so powerful because when you say, what would you say to your nine-year-old self? And I'm talking to that part of myself that is entering the cells of my body right now. Yeah. So I'm literally birthing these new cells in my body into this holistic, whole conversation, compassionate way of speaking to myself. Like you're saying, Rumi, and, and you and I are like, we're soul sisters, I swear. <laughs> because, because my absolute favorite quote on earth, if I could only take one to my desert island. Yes. It's Einstein. And Einstein said, the most important decision you'll ever make in your life is if you believe you live in a benevolent universe, one that's for your awakening. So the fact that you said Rumi wow. and Rumi, and Einstein, so anyway, so back to the mountaintop. So when you're at the top of the mountain and you can teach your children, you just rise up, you feel like you're at the top of this mountain, and then you look down at what's happening. It's very different to be going through a challenge, looking at it horizontally or going through the same challenge. You can't make the challenge not be there, but going through the same challenge and be looking down at yourself from that purview. It just connects you to your wisdom and try it, you guys, with your kids. I swear our kids, I'm, I'm you know, sure you're echoing this. They're just so wise. And so give them this mountaintop image and let them connect to their wisdom. And, you know, back to what you were sharing about our, our kids and, and looking to, you know, find their people. When, when Will was in high school, you know, he's 
a passionate filmmaker. So he's the, he's the kid that's the first one on set, the last one to leave the, you know, he's just so into it. And um, he would get a lot of, I don't know if I want to call it as much bullying, but I'm going to just call it bullying. You know, people, it really, because, because like you're saying, he was friends with older kids and, you know, and so he was, he was really happy and a lot of kids didn't like that. And, and so looking at his challenge from the mountaintop really assisted him to do what you're saying, which is, okay, I'm going to find that muscle to like who I am, even in the midst of other kids, right? Absolutely. That is so beautiful. And like such a testament to the work that both of us do, like giving young people those inner tools, right? Like I'm going to start using this mountaintop view because that's another tool that we get to take into our inner toolkit, right? But giving them access to that and knowing that they may be struggling now in some way, but this is serving them in such a big way because in the midst of resistance, they still have to be rooted so firmly. Um, and I just, I, I love the way you say that. Thank you. Thank you for that. And it, like, isn't our imagination such a big tool, right? Like to be able to, to get that mountaintop view, we have to be willing to, to close our eyes. We have to be willing to see things in a different way. We have to be willing to visualize. What a powerful superpower that's available to all of us, right? Exactly. And I think that's another reason I'm so passionate about soul care and, and for women to do, do things that connect us with our spirit and our soul, because the spirit and the soul is the right brain part of us. And it's, it's the part that will keep our creativity going and it will, it will, you know, help us to stay in that expanded state that's outside of you know, obviously we have the tasks of motherhood are not going to change. I'm still doing my laundry. You're doing your dishes, but we can bring that imagination and we can keep our imagination alive and we can stay connected to our childlike wonder. And we can bring that into our, our conversations and our connections with our kids. And then I don't know about you, but it's just, I like who I am better. You know, I, yes. And then it helps our children to stay connected to their childlike nature. Isn't that what we want with our kids is for them to stay connected to their spirit, connected to their authenticity, connected to their inner truest, most, you know, most true self. Gorgeous. Oh, your words are so beautiful. Like they need to be put to song. <laughs> They're so Aww. beautiful. Um, I, I'm going to, I've been trying to read this quote, but because I could talk to you for hours, I just keep getting sidetracked, but I'm going to read this quote that I thought was so amazing in your book. So one of the most liberating things you can do for yourself as a mother is to release the fantasy of being a good mother and instead seek to become a fulfilled mother. Learning to hold a vision of myself as a woman and mother has transformed my relationship with myself, my husband, and my son. It's not a stretch to say that contemplating, journaling, and holding the highest vision of yourself as a mother will transform your life. You'll find yourself naturally seeing the best in your children when you hold a high vision of yourself. 
Ooh, this gives me shivers, specifically the first part that says release the fantasy of being a good mother and instead seek to become a fulfilled mother. Tell us more about that juiciness. I know. So I have chills too. So I feel like this goes back to the conversation we're having about guilt and let no one ever tell you again to feel guilty for taking care of yourself. Because again, this idea of being a good mother, I hear it all the time, every day. I just want to be a good mother. I just want to be a good mother. We are fed this fantasy of whatever the heck being a good mother is. It's like being a perfect mother. And it's, it's, we're indoctrinated from culture that wants us to continue to consume and continue to reach outside of ourselves for that next thing that we need to get to be that perfect mom and or when we fall short of being that good mom, reach to the outside for whatever, you know, glass of wine or new dress or, you know, thing that we need from the outside that's going to make us feel better. It's all such indoctrination from, you know, don't get me started about it. I mean, this is I won't I won't bash the male patriarchy. I'll just say this is our moment to rise as women. This is our moment to rise as women. So let us say to culture, do not demean us. Do not insult our intelligence that that there's some good mother thing out there. No, we are here to be fulfilled women. We are here to be fulfilled. If there is ever a population on the planet that needs fulfilled modeling, it is our children. Mm-hmm. Right? If there is ever a population out there that needs to see what inner fulfillment, fulfillment, contentment from the inside out looks like, it is our children. They need to see this. It's a need. It is a need for a child to see a, a, an individual and a culture, a community that, that, that mirrors to them. This is what it looks like to be fulfilled. They need that mirroring. They need that reflection. So we need to take this on as women that being a fulfilled woman is the highest modeling we can give our child and, and how to get there and what that looks like is, you see, we're, we're, we live in a culture that wants us to be externally oriented. It wants us to look to what a good mother means to the outside. So what you're doing with these girls is so essential. And it's similar to what I'm saying. Don't look to the outside inside of you. You have an intuition that you, you have a calling to be a mom. It's a calling. And so inside of you, there's a high vision. And again, it's not a perfect vision. I'm not talking about perfectionism. There's just a, there is a vision inside of you that you know what it feels like to be fulfilled, what matters to you and, and get on that journey, you know, that, that path. It's also beautiful. It, it, it helps me to reflect on my own journey. You know, like I always say I was reborn when my daughters were born, like up until the time that they were born, I wasn't feeding my own soul. I didn't know what my passions were. I probably did deep down inside, but I kind of like blocked them because of 
culture, because of indoctrination, because of what my parents wanted for me. You know, we just do that. It's a natural thing to do. And so when they were born, I felt like this huge uh, weight of responsibility actually to myself to be like, how can I role model for these girls? And when I look at them now, I'm so proud of myself and I know it sounds funny, but I'm so proud that I was able to give myself what I needed so that they can do the same for themselves. Wow. Like by doing this work that I do, you know, I, I don't expect them to do this work, but I see them going out there and pursuing their own passion, something I never did as a child. And my husband too is he's doing that as well for himself. And so we are role modeling this. And I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful for that rebirth. I'm grateful for being willing to do it in a different way and being willing to, I wish it didn't take me having them to do it, but they were kind of like the invitation for me to step into my own world and, and, you know, do my own thing. Really. I love what you're saying so much. And I like the phrase you said, when they were born, you felt a weight of responsibility on you. Right. And I think that's so interesting because typically what we do on, in culture is project the responsibility onto our kids. Yes. And so yeah. by you taking it on, you're like, I'm going to take this on. It saved them from you putting the responsibility on them to have to, you know, do something, be something. That's just really um, radical. <laughs> you yeah, know, you. I want every woman to hear <laughs> this, you know? Yeah. Thank you. This, this conversation is amazing. I could talk to you forever and ever, and I will, and I'm going to have you back on for sure. Cause I feel like there's so much more to go into, but to leave us with a little bit of goodness, we're going to do a little rapid fire situation. You don't have to yes. answer so quickly. We just call it that. Okay. Um, who is inspiring you now and why? Um, I'm going to say my son, Will, is inspiring me. The conversations that we're having, the way he's thinking, the way he, the, the things he's thinking about, how he's navigating his life and who he wants to be. And like right now, I know I'm giving too long of an answer, no, but right good. now, right now, he, you know what he's contemplating right now? Because he does work a lot. He has a really big work ethic. He's really working with how to just be this summer and the importance of being versus doing and recharging for his creativity. And I'm like, wow, he's thinking about this at 18, 19 years old. So he is, he is inspiring me right now. Well, it's also a testament to, to how you parented him, right? How you nurtured mm -hmm. him. So that's mm -hmm. beautiful to hear. And I'm not surprised at all. Um, what is your favorite song? Oh, um, um, I Was Here by Lady A, Lady Antebellum. You gotta oh. listen to this song. Um, I Was Here. Every if, if I was a songwriter, I would write this song. Um, I want to do something that matters with the time I've been given. 
That's the lyrics of the song. I want to do something that matters with the time I've been given. You know, uh, you got to go listen to the song. Um, It plays in my head. I, 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 once I hear it, then it's in my head all day. It's a great song. I just wrote it down so I can check it out. I just feel like music heals and music connects in such a big way. So I love knowing that, that you like Lady Antebellum. I like them too. Uh, And who's your favorite band or singer songwriter? Well, I got to say my husband, Jamie Lula, because he happens to be a singer-songwriter. Really? Jamie Lula, you guys. And um, he writes inspirational, empowerment, spiritual. He he travels around to spiritual centers and conferences. And so he's a singer-songwriter. He also writes with um, his songwriting partner, Gary Floyd. So they call themselves Floyd Lula. Ooh, yeah, I really, really great. The lyrics are just great, great, great. Very inspiring. Them out. Love yeah. it, love it. And finally, if you uh, could take a billboard out on the world for all to see, what would it say? What a great question. <laughs> um, I, it would say um, connecting to your soul is the greatest thing you could do for your life. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Thank you for that. I'm going to take that one with me as my affirmation for the day. Thank you, Susie. It's been such a pleasure hanging out with you. We finally did it. We made it happen. Uh, please tell our audience where they can find you. Tell tell us the name of the book again. I'm going to link it all in the show notes, sure. uh, but, but share away. So my website is suzylula.com. It's S-U-Z-I-L-U-L-A.com. Tons of free resources, tons of online classes. I'm typically always doing some online class. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Lula. I'm always offering stuff. You and I will be doing um, an IG live soon. So I mean, yeah. Love it. Love it. Guys, check her out. Check out her book, The Motherhood Evolution, How Thriving Mothers Raise Thriving Children. It's an amazing read. You will not be sorry. Thank you again, Susie. Lots of love. Lots of love right back to you. And thank you, everyone. And I just love what you're doing, Melody. (laughs) You know the feeling is mutual. Yeah, it is. All right, sweetie. Much love. Love to you. If you love what you're hearing, please go ahead and leave us a review so that we can keep the empowerment flowing. Also, be sure to follow along on Instagram at Girl Life Empowerment, and I would love for you to check out my newly released book, Empowered Women, Empower Girls, across all Amazon platforms. I'm so grateful for you, and I can't wait to talk to you again next week.